0: You are listening to a on Productions podcast. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Born on November 4th, 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama, was a hopeless romantic, that wanted to live out her perfect love story. But when she couldn't find it, she turned to killing her husbands and some family members in her pursuit of Prince Charming. Today, we will be looking into the life and murders of Nanny Hazel, or as she will later be known as, the Giggling Granny. This is Serial Time, a serial killer podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Strickland, and join with me as always is my co-host, who always has the cereal bowl ready to go, jason sparks jason how you doing
0: i'm doing well and you know like the cowboys of the old west and how quick they were on the draw with their revolvers quick on the draw with the cereal
1: you quick on the draw you're ready to pour that cereal pour that milk i mean apparently from what i've heard though you like to pour your milk before your cereal that um
0: th- those are actually the individuals that we like to discuss in this podcast but <laughs>
1: yeah that would, that would explain a lot if that is true <laughs> that would explain a whole lot but we'll go ahead and get started Go ahead. I'll also mention that while she was known as the Gingling Granny, she was known by a couple other names, such as the Lonely Hearts Killer, Lady Bluebird, the Jolly Black Widow, which might be my favorite one because that one's horrifying mm-hmm. to me. I don't know what you think. Which one of these those do you think is probably your favorite?
0: Oh, I mean, they're they're all great names in the fact of how they're able to instill fear. Mm -hmm. And I I do think that, you know, the Black Widow one is, is, is a good one for sure to instill fear, but also Giggling Granny, I feel is, is more of that to me, Mm
1: -hmm. just to
0: the fact of how I believe that name hits closer to home for most individuals. The something we have previously, previously discussed is how, you know, you think of your grandmother typically as a very kind and gentle woman. Where in this instance she's anything but that.
1: And I can totally see where you're coming from with that too. I think that's probably the creepiest one out of the all of them. I just think the Jolly Black Widow is just terrifying, but at the same time, so is the giggling brain, because like you said, grandmother's supposed to be someone that is just loving and they're the ones who are supposed to spoil you. And unfortunately, this one turns to murder. So it is pretty horrifying, especially the giggling part, just showing that obviously it doesn't it may we will see if that's what she was doing while she's killing people obviously a lot of people don't know but if that's the case and that is just as to how horrifying this whole thing is
0: absolutely like like i said Giggling granny hits close to home on you know having that fear with instilled within your own household to where the the jolly black widow i feel like that's a a, a legend you would pass on to your kids you know of why you shouldn't stay out you know, past dark and everything, or else the, the jolly black widow is going to get you, you know.
1: Oh, kind of like an urban legend. Exactly. That's a pretty good one. I like that. But well, we'll go ahead and start diving into the backstory of Nanny. She was one of five children born to James and Louisa Hazel. Her childhood was known to not be a particularly happy one, as her father was known to be very controlling and abusive towards the family. He would take the kids out of school, massively stunning their education and also just their intellect their growth in that by making them stay home and tend to the farm he would do that for long periods of time and that would also hurt them socially as they weren't able to go and be with their friends and Jason actually I just want to ask you this is Blue Mountain Alabama as an Alabama resident how far is this away from where you are it's about
0: three hours away from my hometown and is just east of Birmingham
1: Alabama just east of Birmingham. Hmm, I didn't know that. Have you ever been to Blue Mountain by chance?
0: I have no doubt I have passed through Blue Mountain going to Atlanta, but never once did I know I was in Blue Mountain. It was probably a town you blink and you're past it. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing some research of my own, I found that the last census that I was able to see in 1999, the town of Blue Mountain had less than 200 individuals staying within it.
1: So needless to say, there's not much to do there.
0: It's a it, it's a very quaint place, I'm sure, you
1: know. Yeah, probably a good place to settle down when you're ready to retire and just try to get away from everything is what I'm hearing. More
0: than, more. than likely.
1: Yeah. And like I said, though, uh, her father taking her out of school definitely stunted Nanny's growth in the education department. She was not known to do very well in her studies. The good thing that happened for her, though, is her mother was known to be very loving towards her children, but that was quickly overshadowed by just the overbearingness that their father possessed over them. A significant event happened, though, in Nanny's life when she was seven. Their family was taking a train to South Alabama to visit some family. And it was on this train ride when the train suddenly stopped that she hit her head on the metal bar in the seat in front of her. Now we will see later on in life she actually attributes this to a lot of the mental instability that she would suffer throughout her years until her death. As she got older, Nanny began to also read her mother's romantic magazines, particularly the Lonely Hearts column. Like is basically a dating ad that people would submit to the local magazines in the area. So it's kind of like the Tinder of our days, I guess you would say. Fair point. Yeah. And that's the only thing I could come up with. So it, obviously they didn't have cell phones in that time. They had to, people that were obviously looking for their soulmate or whoever it was, that's, was their way to connect with people. But also I just want to bring up that's all I see now why I think I knew this before, but I see now why they caught another name for her was the lonely hearts killer. So that makes a little sense.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think me being born in this generation, I think looking back into that time frame that, individuals just got married to their high school sweethearts or what have you, you know, some, some stupid, uh, romanticization of, uh, how it was when actuality, you know, it, it doesn't always work out that way. And there has to be other means of meeting other, you know, single individuals you, to finally, to potentially find your match.
1: Yeah. And that's what makes a lot of sense. Cause like you said, a lot of these people get married to high school sweethearts, but they would get married, sometimes before they would get done with high school. And even as soon as they get done with high school, it was, Mm. they were mostly very young when they would get married and go and live on their own and have their own family. Right. Her looking through these lonely heart magazines was also believed to be her escape from her overbearing father as he would not allow her to wear any makeup, any dresses or attend any dances. Uh, That just kind of shows into the nature of the way she was living. She was, Basically, prevented from doing normal things that a lot of girls were allowed to do. She was forbidden to do that. At the age of 16, Nanny would end up marrying her first husband, Charlie Braggs, who was a co worker of hers at a linen factory that she worked at in Anniston, Alabama.
0: Do you know where Anniston's at? Anniston is basically right beside Blue Mountain.
1: It's basically, okay, it's just right beside it. That makes sense because she probably wouldn't be going far mm-hmm. anyway. So I didn't know if by chance you knew where that place was
0: yep yep same uh, same location just east of birmingham
1: oh okay that makes sense get this jason though the two of them had o- actually only known each other for four months before they got married and once they did get married they moved in with charlie's mother now i know we had this discussion before with uh, another one of our dillahan productions um i guess teammates is brandon uh, how do you think four months is a long enough time
0: personally no not at all um you know that you do hear stories of you know the 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 very first day i met her you know, i knew she was the one kind of a thing and oh, yeah. i i personally don't subscribe to that but also i do understand that and this time it was so much different you know people did get married a lot sooner than they do now
1: uh i think that you're right with that aspect too i agree though it's That is a little early, but then again, a lot of people are different. There's some people who can know each other for just a few weeks and they get married and they're still happily married now. But most of the time that doesn't tend to work out because it does you do need to get to know someone a little bit more. But it just the reason why I bring this up though is because it kind of shows that for nanny, she is desperately trying to find that person she's supposed to be with. Absolutely.
0: And two, Nanny's also probably looking for an escape from her father, from her household. She's trying to find a way out.
1: Uh, That makes a lot of sense, too, because she's trying to get out of that controlling nature that her father has placed upon her. And she's going to do whatever she can to get out of that as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And the best way at that, especially that time period, was marriage. So that would make a whole lot of sense. Uh, But however, even though she was able to get married and at least leave her father's household. Apparently uh, Charlie's mother was known to behave exactly like her father as he, she was very controlling of her son as well. So she kind of traded off one situation for the exact same situation. So she kind of couldn't escape, escape that Mm. the union though, between Charlie and Nanny did produce four daughters that they had between the years 1923 and 1927. It was during this time that Nanny began drinking very heavily as well as smoking, and even her and Charlie started having extramarital affairs with other people as well. The final straw did come for Charlie, though, when the two middle daughters of the couple mysteriously died from food poisoning, and many suspected that it was Nanny several years after the fact. It was not long after this that Charlie took his oldest daughter, Melvina and left Nanny with their newborn baby, Florine signaling the end of her first marriage so you can already kind of see there's a little bit of tragedy that's happening now her first marriage kind of quickly i think it's in a 1927 when all this occurred kind of quickly already came to abrupt halt
0: yeah it was obviously not the the knight in shining armor that nanny was hoping he was And also, as we kind of talked on, she didn't find that escape from a overbearing parental figure in her now stepmom. Mm -hmm. And it's curious of if it's her anger or if it's her potential narcissism that she has that these children are, you know, not bearing to my every need. And so they're in my way. And so I need to get rid of these children. If, If they're no longer in the picture, then I no longer have that problem.
1: I also thought too I wonder if the overbearingness of not only facing from her father but now her uh, mother-in-law it almost it led to her drinking smoking and obviously her having affairs outside of her marriage that let contributed to that and then also like you said it could have possibly led to her feeling like she needed to be free and she felt like at that time not only was she faced it from her mother-in-law her children were doing it to her too. So the two middle ones suffer from that and now and then they tra- tragically passed away. So I wonder if that may have played a contribution to it or just like you said, her narcissism too, just overbearing and it just led to this unfortunate what just happened to these poor girls.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, everybody needs their escape from reality to some extent, and people find multiple different facets for doing that. And obviously, she was trying to find it, one, in uh, a relationship and in, in uh, starting a family, but also ended up trying to find her escape at the end of a bottle or, you know, through smoking, and obviously, those things weren't enough. Those things weren't able to help her escape the reality that she faced. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Who knows? There's just several different things, it seems like. So, but Charlie would actually end up returning in 1928 to finalize the divorce. He did bring back Melvina to her mother as he actually moved on with another woman and they started a new life together. And as we'll find out, he's the, he did manage to escape from her grasp before she could take his life. Not long after that, Nanny did marry her second husband, Robert Franklin Harrelson, in 1929, and the pair would move to Jacksonville. I do believe this was Alabama. Is there a Jacksonville, Alabama?
0: There is, and it's sure. um, it essentially would be just south of Anniston and Blue Mountain.
1: Okay, so she's still staying in the vicinity of Blue Mountain, though. She's just a little bit further out, I guess you could say. Yes. Okay, Actually, no.
0: let me... Uh, sorry, real quick... Uh, a correction there, Hunter. It, it it's I said south. It's actually just slightly north of Aniston.
1: Just slightly north of Aniston. Okay. Is it still east of Birmingham? Yes. Okay. Still east of Birmingham. Okay. That's why I wanted to make sure. So um, she actually did uh, meet Robert through the Lonely Hearts column. So she, I guess, she did become a success story through that column. So by finding her second husband, after a few months of marriage, Nanny started to realize that her new husband was an alcoholic as well as having a criminal history with assault. Though he was abusive to her, she would remain faithful and loyal to him for 16 years as they started welcoming grandchildren from Melvina. Melvina had married a man in the early 1940s before giving birth to a son, Robert Lee Hayes, in 1943. She later gave birth to a daughter in 1945, and while recovering at the hospital, Melvina woke up in a groggy state. From medication to see her mother take a hairpin and stab her newborn in the brain now jason what do you think about that situation
0: i mean just totally sickening i mean physically sick to my stomach even trying to fathom how a grandmother would be able to do that to her newborn grandchild
1: if i held like a newborn in my hands i don't know how anybody could ever fathom a thought of doing something like that that's especially like you said, a grandmother, that's horrifying that someone is able to do that. Now, I know it's worth mentioning, pointing out that Melvina was in a groggy state, but I'll go ahead and mention that um, though she was in that state, there are other people who can confirm what she saw was real as not only Melvina's husband, as well as her other sister, Florina did see Nanny with a, a hairpin in her hand and after the baby was dead. So makes it seem like though no, it never was proven true but it definitely makes it seem like that that is what happened and that's just horrifying
0: absolutely and like you said you know it's it's you're so careful whenever you're holding a newborn child and and honestly personally if someone's like oh you want to you want to hold the, the the baby and everything i'm like no i'm good that thing is way too fragile like mm-hmm. i am so scared that's all i'm gonna think about the entire time is don't drop this child and also i i have this thing that and i'm sure a lot of people are do as well that if i'm holding something and i'm like don't drop it don't drop it like i feel like i'm more inclined to drop it and so <laughs> th- i feel like that'd be the same thing with a child and so i'm just a-okay on holding a baby
1: oh i know that's why i feel too just because you don't imagine if you order the one that'd be horrifying but the fact that it's a grandmother who has no I don't know even like i guess like just a lack of empathy i guess not only for the baby but for the new mother too just to do that that's just horrifying to think about
0: yeah just you know taking this child's existence out of the world as soon as it entered it and also the trauma that you would impose upon your own daughter by doing so
1: it's it's just it's just unfathomable to me so about six months after the untimely death of her second grandchild, Malvina did leave Robert in the care of Nanny, and he would go on to mysteriously pass away due to asphyxiation. Nanny, two months later, did collect a $500 insurance, life insurance policy that she put on Robert. And I just want to go ahead and point out, how is that not suspicious to people? This is, by all accounts, this is six months later, this kid's two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. How is no one suspicious that someone took out a life insurance policy on him, especially if that was his grandmother, and she did it so close to when he died?
0: Yeah, it, it raises the question of, is there predominant illness going around at the time? But it, it is still very suspicious, and I would feel does bear investigation. But at the same time, with it being in the, the 20s, 30s, that's so much more of happenstance at the time and so I feel at the time the law enforcement would just kind of take the uh the parental figures word and saying that you know oh this was the the reason of their death and it'd be that'd be the end of it
1: That that probably makes a lot of sense too it's just it just kind of blows my mind and I guess because I can't get out the fact that one we're in the 20th century and or 21st century my bad let me back up and I don't know that's just some a lot of people be suspicious about but again you're right this this actually was in the 40s right here about mid 40s so this is right around like world war ii time so who knows who knows what's going on it's just i found that suspicious whenever i was doing my research and, well, it, it, and- it,
0: it, it's curious though uh it the fact that she's killing her grandchildren and it makes me wonder if again it's this narcissism that I, I just can't get out of my head that potentially she has, that she sees her grandchild her grandchildren as something that is getting in the way of the time she has with her daughter. And so therefore she's getting them out of the picture because all she's thinking about is herself. and She's not thinking about the impact it's going to have on her daughter's life or anybody around her's life. All she's kind of worried about is how will this benefit me?
1: That's a good, that's an interesting thought. Just how, why is she doing that? That could be a good reason why. I don't know. That's It's just so hard to tell because she was willing to kill her own children and now she's willing to kill her own grandchildren. It just seems like this woman lacks any remorse and any, I, I guess the only thing I can think about is she just doesn't care about anybody but herself. She just wants to do whatever she wants to do. And if anybody gets in that way, she'll just take them out. That's the only thing I can think of. Without a doubt. After what happened with Robert, she would move on to her next target, which would be her husband, Robert. She would uh, poison his liquor with rat poison. This took place uh, in September 15th, 1945. This was shortly after World War II had just ended. Robert was celebrating the end of it, as most people were during that time, as this was a major event, the major end to a global conflict that rocked the world tremendously. So obviously everybody was celebrating. He would go; he went on a bender, just heavily drinking. And one night, by drink, oh, when he was drinking heavily, he came back home to nanny and he proceeded to rape her that night. And this is what actually led her to taking his life. So what she did was the next morning after that happened, she poisoned his uh, corn whiskey, which was what he was drinking, and he shortly died after that. It is believed that once this happened, Nanny moved to Lexington, North Carolina, where she placed another Lonely Hearts column there that attracted the attention of Arlene Lanning, with the two getting married after only knowing each other for three days. Now, Jason, what do you think about three days?
0: uh what (laughs) (laughs) three three days is incredibly fast and an incredibly short amount of time compared to the four months we had previously discussed
1: yep yeah that's a that's a very very short time very
0: short time and it's interesting to understand the move to lexington north carolina she's been moving around this very small stretch in alabama And then it's taking a, what I would have to imagine in her eyes, a gigantic leap to North Carolina.
1: That's what I think too, but also what would make sense too is that these crimes are happening. It seems like within the past year, she has killed three people. Though we can't confirm all of them, or not necessarily the baby. We can confirm at least the other two, but three people for sake of argument um she killed three people within the uh, uh, span of one year maybe she thinks that she needs to get out of there before everything starts catching up to her that's the only thing i can think of but at the same time you're right lexington north carolina is kind of random
0: yeah it's very random and maybe that was partially methodical maybe she obviously she liked to read you know through the newspaper or magazines to find these lonely heart articles and potentially she saw something about Lexington, North Carolina, and was like, that's it. That's where I'll go. And kind of like you were talking about, to get away from this notoriety that is kind of following me right now because of these killings I have committed.
1: Yes, and it the reason why I think it's notoriety too is just because though maybe the police haven't caught on and necessarily had enough evidence to catch her, you got to think that the local community is is suspicious of her because it's all surrounding her they had to have been suspicious, and maybe she's been here murmuring, she's like, okay, I gotta get out here before someone catches me.
0: Yeah, she's no doubt kind of more than likely becoming the talk of the town, and say she's an avid churchgoer or what have you, she's probably seeing a lot of people coming up to her and talking about the events, and then also, as you stated, murmuring amongst themselves about the events, and so maybe in her eyes, like you said, she's kind of fearing that they're potentially catching on and so i if i just get away for a little while people will kind of start to forget and maybe i can come back eventually
1: that that would make a lot of sense to me but and then well by her living in lexington though she kind of looks like she's settling down though because she just got married three days and after meeting this guy though so she kind of can't just come back oh well, i guess she wasn't probably planning on coming back anytime soon if she did get married so that would make a lot of sense Nanny would go on to put on a facade as a dotting housewife, even being involved in their local church while Arlen was known to be an alcoholic as well as being a frequent uh, customer of the local sex workers. When Arlen mysteriously died of heart failure that was caused by nanny poisoning his food, though no one knew this, with everyone supporting her, not realizing that she was the one who would kill him and that they had a serial killer on their hands. Doctors would later attribute this death to his alcoholism, though, obviously, we know she did everything she's going on. This is will actually be her M.O. from this point on is she would go on to poison, whether it's food or drink. We see that one with her most previous husband, Robert, and that she did poison his liquor now she's poisoning his food, and we'll see that this is her MO. So
0: Hunter, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the main component in rat poison arsenic?
1: That is correct, yes. Uh, most of everything I see was con- uh, calling it arsenic, but also rat poison. I just it felt like easier easier for me to just call it rat poison, but yes, you were correct. Arsenic is the main ingredient.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. and it, it's easier for anybody who doesn't know that that's the component within rat poison. Um, but It's curious, it's something we've talked about, you know, it's early 20th century, and so forensics is not up to the standard it is now. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there was any telltale signs at the time that through the coroner's report that they'd be able to definitively state, yes, this was due to alcoholism, or no, this was another means and potentially linking it towards arsenic.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that will actually be very important at the end. Gotcha. A very good uh, observation. And that'll be very important towards the end. I'll let you know when that comes up, but very good point, Jason. I'm glad you actually brought that up. We'll go ahead and move on though. From that point. I'll remember that too. And bring it up. Uh, after Arlen's death, it was revealed that he left his house to his sister, but the house mysteriously burned to the ground with Nanny moving in with her uh, Arlen's mother. And I just want to, I thought I was thinking about this, but while we were, while I was doing my research too, I wonder if Arlen knew there was something off about her, and that's why he didn't leave his house to his wife, and he left it to his sister instead. That was I found that pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, it's definitely kind of alludes to that, right? Mm
1: -hmm. That's what I would think because you would think most of the time it goes to the spouse, but he did not want that he wanted to go to his sister now it may have been that he's very close to his sister and who knows i don't know but at the same time you would think he would still go to his wife i just found that very fascinating
0: yeah it's an interesting detail to note for sure and then also the fact that it was burnt down makes me think that nanny had gone on essentially for lack of a better word a temper tantrum and since she wasn't getting her way she made sure that nobody could have it if she can't have it.
1: Uh, I think you're probably right. And there's probably also another reason because after this happened, uh, she collected the insurance check that came with the house, obviously being burned down to the ground. It was also around this time that Arlen's mother suddenly passed away with Nanny running back off to Alabama. So you could tell not only, like you said, she probably threw a temper tantrum because she didn't get the house. She also collected the insurance money for it possibly killing her mother-in-law and then skips out of town and heads back to Alabama. Mm. So just a crazy ride that happens one with her husband dying and then her burning down the house, taking the insurance check, possibly killing her mother-in-law and then just heads back home. It's just (laughs) kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. And to kind of think about the rumors of Nanny while she was in Lexington, as you stated, people looked at her as a doting housewife and an avid churchgoer. And so I have to imagine that more than likely people felt sorry for her, for what had happened to her husband and what she had also gone through from her husband. And that, you know, she probably was trying to find solace in her stepmother. and, And then she, suddenly passes and that probably a lot of people didn't know that the house was actually going to go to her sister-in-law, Thought it was going to go to her. And then finding out that that house had burned down to the ground, people probably felt really bad for her at the time, not knowing that she was the cause of all these terrible things that happened.
1: That That's interesting too, because I, I think you're right too. No one probably knew what was going on. Obviously she's from, this she's from Alabama no one really knows her until she gets married there and gets involved in the local church had this had happened in Blue Mountain or any one of those uh surrounding towns they would all be like okay this woman's behind something but since they don't know who she is they're just probably feeling sorry for her like you said
0: right they don't know this history of death that's been following her
1: yeah exactly after she did move back to Alabama, she would move in with her sister, who was bedridden, to take care of her. But she also mysteriously died not long after she moved in. Once this happened, Nanny did um, find her fourth husband after putting herself back on the market. His name was Richard Morton. And she found him through a dating service called Diamond Circle Club. And this all occurred within the early 1950s. The two got married, which I find this interesting too, Jason in Emphoria kansas and richard was different from the others as he did not have a drinking problem but just like all of her other husbands up to this point he did have multiple affairs i just want to point out she hopped she went from alabama to north carolina back to alabama and now she's in kansas
0: yeah she's very comfortable obviously with moving around
1: yeah i think she is as long as she finds the guy that she thinks is the one she's supposed to be with but as you can see A lot of these guys though can't stay faithful to her either they can't stay faithful or they're abusive towards her so just doesn't seem like she can she's finding she's actually finding the right person she's just trying to get married it seems like
0: yeah and it kind of makes me wonder if she has a type uh this at this point in her killings that she's actually preying upon these men and potentially having some sort of hope that they're, they're not going to be like the previous husband, but also the indignation in the back of her mind that if they are, then I now have another victim and I can play the, the widow who, you know, is now able to escape from her abusive husband because he's dead.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Maybe she's thinking that, like you said, she's going to marry this guy. If he's the right one, then she can settle down and finally have the love that she's been looking for. Or if he's not the right one, then she could just kill him and find the next one.
0: Yeah. And again, it kind of makes me think as well that she has this, if I can't have it, no one can. And so instead of just outrightly divorcing these individuals, similar to her first husband, who potentially in her eyes was the one that got away because he did go on and and remarried and so she's making sure that never happens again
1: that's a good point i didn't think about that that would make a lot of sense but either way it's just it's a crazy crazy situation that's going on because it just seems like she's hopping around from one guy to the next and killing one guy to the next too it's just she's just leaving a trail of chaos behind her it's it's just kind of it's fascinating to look at, I guess, is a better word to say. Yeah,
0: and to just kind of take the antithesis to what we've just stated, is it truly for the fact that she's trying to find true love, or is it because she is just so enveloped now in killing, and that's all she's really thinking about?
1: Hmm. That's an interesting thing. I, this is why I kind of wish that back then it was something that was, the mental health was something that studied a little bit more to see what her true psychosis was. During her time that she was living in Kansas though, uh, Nanny's mother Lou did come to live with the new couple. Nanny apparently didn't take this too well as not too long after her mother moved in with them she did mysteriously pass away in uh, January of 1953. About four months after that, on May 19, 1953 Richard Morton also mysteriously passed away after Nanny laced his coffee with rat poison. So you can kind of see a pattern here that She didn't like the fact that her mother was there, so she got rid of her. And now that it seems like her husband outlived his usefulness, so she got rid of him as well. Mm. After this death of her fourth husband, Nanny would go go on to meet her fifth and final husband, Samuel Doss. And they got married in June 1953 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, Samuel was different from the rest as he didn't have a drinking problem, didn't have a problem with uh, extramarital affairs. He was actually a Nazarene preacher that not uh, long before he got married to Nanny lost his family due to a tornado in Arkansas. Though he was not faithful or have a struggle with alcoholism, the problem that Nanny did develop with her new husband was that he did not approve of the magazines she read or the shows that she watched as he forbid him From forbid her from reading or watching TV unless it was for an educational purpose. Due to this fact that he, she felt that she was being bogged down by her new husband, she would leave him not long after that and move to Alabama, but he would come crawling back to her, begging her to come back, even enticing her by taking two life insurance policies on himself and listing her as a beneficiary later in the year samuel was admitted into the hospital with flu-like symptoms when he was really when he was actually poisoned by his wife when she laced his cake that was prune cake with rat poison i think jason we talked about this a little bit earlier it's like why you gotta do a man like that and poison his cake
0: yeah just let the man eat his cake you know it's it's probably his escape you know we've kind of talked talked about in this episode you know he's he's not a drinker he's you know not being unfaithful or or smoking doing anything like that you know but cake cake is probably his release cake is probably his escape from reality and something that we had previously touched on too was on the fact of arsenic so putting arsenic into say coffee or liquor more than likely the arsenic is still going to have its full potency. But I have to imagine whenever she made this cake, she probably put it into the batter or what have you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in baking this cake, that arsenic actually lost its potency. And so instead of outrightly killing him, it now just gave him flu-like symptoms.
1: And that would make a lot of sense. In fact, Jason, I also want to point out too, what well, you mentioned earlier about what how people didn't catch on about People seeing like attributing to the someone's alcoholism instead of what it could be. This is the case where it starts to pop up, and I just want to let you know that as you'll see what will happen here as it progresses. Gotcha. And
0: to just touch real quick to the fact of how her fifth and final husband was not overbearing because he was abusive or an alcoholic or unfaithful. In her eyes, I have to imagine she saw him as overbearing because of the fact he wouldn't let her read the things she wanted to read or watch the things she wanted to watch and probably reminded her of her abusive father in that way of, you know, trying to put boundaries upon her and going back to the narcissism that she potentially has to where if she can't find her bliss she'll get rid of whatever is in her way so she can have it.
1: All right, Jason, you got to get on my head because I was literally about to say that. <laughs> I was literally about to say that because it seems like I, I, the difference between him, like you said, from all the other, hus- other husbands was he was being overbearing on her, like her father. So you literally just took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> when you,
0: you, you do a few episodes like this, and, and we really do start getting in the, the same rhythm and and, saying the thing that you know the other person's thinking at the time you know
1: hey it's bound to happen
0: bound to happen me and uh bobby do it all the time in our other uh doula production podcast alcoholic anomalies which is available on apple and spotify and anchor if anybody wants to
1: listen but yeah oh that happens a lot so trust me i know
0: a little, little bit of shameless plugging there but
1: hey nothing wrong with that <laughs> so uh... Samuel did end up surviving this attempt on his wife on his life by his loving wife on October 5th. But this did not last long as Nanny would lace his poison on October 12th, uh, 1953, effectively killing him. And she was very quick and eager to collect those life insurance policies on him. So it came back to really come back to haunt him as by enticing her to have to take out those two life insurance policies on him. That's probably what led her to doing what she did to him.
0: Yeah, she probably Uh, decided to come back because of monetary gain, not because she wanted to mend the relationship. um, Definitely not, as you can see, what she did to
1: him after she did come back. However, though, this is where Nanny's luck would start to run out, as the doctor, Tring Samuel, became very suspicious of her when her husband was first admitted to the hospital. The good doctor convinced Nanny to allow him to perform an autopsy on her now dead husband, telling her that by doing this, it could lead to saving many lives if they found out what killed her husband. So just two points I want to bring up. One, this is what I wanted to bring up with what you said earlier, that someone did eventually catch on to the fact that, okay, there's something going on because it's not because of what they're eating or what they're drinking or something like that. There's some reason why this is happening. And that and he became suspicious of that. And two, I just really like this guy's wordplay because he said by doing this, it'll help save many lives. In her mind, she's probably thinking of for medical research, but in his mind, he's saying because I want to stop you from doing this to other people.
0: Good looking out by that guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Very, very good awareness by him. After the autopsy, it was discovered that Samuel had extraordinary amounts of arsenic in his stomach that led to his death, giving authorities enough evidence to arrest Nanny. After her arrest, Nanny confessed to killing four of her husbands, but would never admit to killing any of her family members. Authorities would exhume several suspected victims of the giggling granny given to her after she giggled when talking about the deaths of her husbands by two reporters, with all dying similar, similar to her husband's, which was rat poison. Nanny let, later blamed her murderous rampage on that brain injury we talked about that she sustained when she was a child on the train, and as well as her trying to find her perfect soulmate. state of Oklahoma, which is where she ended up, the last only charged her for Samuel's death, and she would be found guilty of it on May 17, 1955, and they sentenced her to life in prison. She would go on to spend the next 10 years in prison before she succumbed to leukemia on June second, 1965, and the Oklahoma State Penitentiary Hospital Ward. She would go on to never confess the her murdering her other family members, though. So, Jason, as we've talked about, too, with many of our episodes, I just always find it fascinating that they only charge her for one murder, though. And I know there's probably a good reason behind that, but I just always find that interesting why that happens.
0: Yeah, like we've previously touched on that those corner reports didn't provide enough evidence even though there was an indignation that she did it as you stated she giggled whenever she was questioned about her previous husband's but at the same time that doesn't add a, a full confession to the fact and the the final husband did it it was enough evidence to, to put her behind bars and in the justice system, they no doubt knew that, yes, she did commit these murders, but if we can get her behind bars for life for just this one, we're going to take that opportunity.
1: And that would make a lot of sense, too. Probably, too. They probably couldn't try her for this murder because it didn't occur within their state. They probably had to extradite her to that state to get tried. So they figured we might as well just pin her down for one and put at least put her behind bars for the rest of her life. Then give her the opportunity to possibly get away with these other ones, so exactly. that makes a lot of sense. So, I just it also just intrigues me too that though it was pretty obvious that she is the culprit behind the other family members' deaths, as all the deaths with her husbands and those family members are the same. That she never did end up confessing to them, right? So, well, Jason, that's everything I got on the giggling granny. You got any, any final thoughts you want to add?
0: Yeah, so I just want to recap real quick. So allegedly and confirmed to an extent, she killed four of her husbands, mm-hmm. two of her own children, yes, two of her grandchildren, yes, her own sister, yes, her own mother, mm-hmm. and one of her stepmothers.
1: Yeah, or mother-in-law.
0: Mother-in-law. Yeah. 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 Mother-in-law.
1: Yeah. I think it was was that eleven. Yep. That
0: total comes to the death of 11 individuals.
1: Yes, exactly. You're right on it.
0: And so, in that, if you were to solely look at her four husbands, I would wholeheartedly state that she is an organized killer. She has her MO established. She is killing them all the exact same ways. It's all the exact same um, individuals she's applying it to, which are her husband's but whenever you add in all the others, that's when she goes from being organized to disorganized. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I kind of have to let that lay, is that Nanny Doss, a.k.a. the Giggling granny, is an unorganized killer.
1: That would make a lot of sense, too, because she probably, like you said, didn't plan to kill those family members while she probably did plan to kill her husbands. They just seemed like they were people that are in the way and she had no intention of doing that so that would make your analysis right there would make a lot of sense
0: yeah and, and something else that we've we've touched on a lot is we wish we were able to have the appropriate psychology reports on these individuals but due to the time frame of when they were incarcerated it doesn't allow for that because as i've touched on several times in this episode I believe she had a narcissistic personality and that the other seven individuals she had killed was due to her narcissistic means, that these people were just in her way, and that the easiest way to get them out of the picture is for them to no longer work walk this earth, which is, is terrible. You know, you you hate to see someone go to that extent for sure. But having said that, I also wonder what other potential mental illnesses she had sustained because of the head trauma that she had been affected by whenever she was seven years old.
1: Yeah, that's what kind of is unfortunate is that we don't have that ability to go back and look and see what her mental state was. I also want to add in too; it just seems like her greed also gets in the way too, because you see there with her, Uh, second grandchild she kills and then also obviously her last husband she killed she sought those life insurance policies out for and then you can even look with Arlen when she didn't get the house she was going to make sure no one got the house then too Mm -hmm. so seems like greed also plays into her, her motives as well to do what she does as well but I think if you the narcissism probably is more prevailing when it comes to that
0: Yeah, she's probably thinking, What do I stand to gain due to this monetary compensation?
1: Yeah, that's what that's what I think too. So But Jason, if you got anything else you want to add, you're more than welcome to. But if not, I think I'm done. But I just appreciate you um taking this journey with me as we look at the life and the murders of the giggling granny.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Hunter, and thank you for tuning in to the Giggling Granny episode of Serial Time, a serial killer podcast. If you like this episode, please feel free to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As a disclaimer, no cereal was harmed in the making of this episode, and we hope to see you next time.